we're going to continue to see and is companies trying to put the old office model onto remote work. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not healthy to be just sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. walking shoe so nice excited nice. to give that a go although they're so nice and beautiful i'm kind of like scared to walk out in the like dirty we'll snow get a second pair. Yeah. those need to be my dress walking shoes and i need like a pair of work actually working walking shoes <laughs> that i can get dirty mm-hmm. yeah so yeah do you have some new stuff up on the wall behind you do i have some new stuff um I think it's all the same. Maybe the camera angle has changed. I probably have shifted stuff uh, around. So I have... Yeah, that could be it then. I have the, these ones. These two were over, I think, above this. So you probably didn't see it from the camera. Oh, okay. This, this one is cool. It's Because, it's yeah, it's new to me. Yeah. So that one uh, is painted by Hila's mom. She's an artist. Um mm-hmm. And it's done uh, on this like thick paper with coffee. That's all coffee. That's coffee. That's coffee, as the meat as like the paint medium. That's awesome. So that's really cool. And then this one, um, if I'm trying to piece together the history on, but um, when I cleaned out my grandparents' house, I found like this. I don't know what you call them, footlocker or something. This like army metal box. Um, Mm -hmm. that had a lot of my grandpa's things from world war two in it. Um, including some old like rations and medical rations and supplies. I'm like, Oof, I don't know if this is good to be keeping around here. Um, but this, Mm -hmm. this was there. Um, and what I think it is, is a profile drawing of him, um, done by one of his, um, I, I don't know what you call it. He was, he was in the heavy armory division. He was in a tank division. Um, in Europe during World War II, and I and and I, I think this was drawn by one of his, one of the people in his division during combat, okay. which is is cool. That is really cool. And then I got I need to find another place to hang up this new painting I got. So I got this painting for my birthday. Oh yeah, I saw you post that yeah. on, on so, Instagram or something. This is, this is my grandpa, and this is my mm-hmm. son. Um, and this is actually my my sister had this commissioned. Um, this is actually a, a picture of me and and my grandpa in his backyard. Um, but they replaced they you replaced with... me with with my son. Oh, that uh, was really nice. He never had a chance to to meet my grandpa, um, but I have several pictures, and he looks at him and he's like, "That's me." We would do you. It's it's me, but he thinks it's him in the pictures because I I looked a lot like that when I was his age with the blonde hair and it's kind of straight, like very mm-hmm. similar. So he thinks it's it's him. So that was a super cool painting to get. 
Oh, that's really, so, really neat. Yeah. How was your how was your time off? It was good. It it, it, it was good. Um I was really burned out by yeah. the by, by the beginning of December. So it was a tough year, man. It was. It was tough. It, it was. And I think it, did I even tell you like it was the right before uh the winter break was over. It was, you know, I was talking with some friends and I'm just like, I'm not ready to go back to work tomorrow. I'm still just yeah. And a couple more days. I'm like, weren't you just off? I'm like, yeah, that's how, <laughs> you know, and I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just saying like, normally by the day after New Year's, I'm ready to get back to work. I'm ready to yeah. get back to the scene. I'm ready to get back to doing stuff. This year was different. I'm like, maybe that's just how burned out I was yeah. that I'm just, I'm, I'm still not ready to get back to work. Um, but other than that, it was, it was great. It was nice and relaxing. Uh, normally we're all over the place mm -hmm. this year. Not so much. Um, yeah. Like just about every morning, you know, on the living room floor, you know, my son and I playing with all his new toys and, you know, I was looking forward to, to that. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was low key, which was good. Cause I would have definitely not been in a, a good shape to come back. Like if it were a normal year and we were running all over the place for that week. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And we we all need that time to kind of recenter and rethink think through things, and especially last year. I mean, it was incredibly incredibly challenging. Um, I think it's also just challenging the line of of work that we live in. I or we work in. Um, I, I I started some conversations yesterday on on Twitter about working in professional services, and there's actually. Um, uh, a lady I follow on Twitter who's uh, I, th I think she works in finance, like accounting. And she, she posted a really insightful thread about how dehumanizing it is to work in services and how you're treated less than a human. And, and it's like very, very hard. And it's true. Like I, you know, we've, we've gone out of our way to create and we internally we've, we've kind of talked about creating this oasis, right? Like we're this oasis in the desert away from, the the pains of what most corporate services looks like but even still it's incredibly difficult so we've we've selected to work in a in a field that is in, incredibly incredibly difficult and one of the conversations i think we probably should be having this year um is how how do we maintain our our state of wellness and our mental health working in professional services because it's an industry that I think is overrun with mental health challenges and burnout. Mm -hmm. um, and not a lot of people are, are talking about it. Uh, and I think it deserves to be talked about because I think so many people struggle with it. Um, and, and it's also a good opportunity, I think for the larger population to, to maybe develop a little bit more empathy. I don't, I don't think we're asking for people to feel bad for, you know, the career choices we've made, but what I'm, what I think we're asking for is to be, for people to realize that when you hire professional services, these are real people. Um, and oftentimes we've been groomed to treat them as anything but people. And I, I, I think you and I have talked about, um, how I was first introduced to professional services, my first job out of college where my boss said, you know, we keep these guys around. So we have someone to blame and beat up and throw under the bus. And it's like that, that is how the world has been groomed to treat professional services. These are throwaway people. They're not real humans. And it's tough because we are real humans and it, 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 it starts to take a very real toll on our emotional well being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I saw that, thread or at least part of it and i saw one of the replies you know at least i don't know if it was you or somebody else 
And it was like, you know, we, we've created this environment because we're trying to be helpful, but we've created this environment where there's now an expectation that we are available. Yeah. At all yeah that's right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week on weekends on weekends, late at night. Like we're, we're, we're yeah, there holidays. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, I mean that, that, that's the, the, the case for, you know, that's why a lot of people reach burnout. And the problem with burnout yeah. is that you don't know until you're there. Yeah. Like it creeps up really stealthily. Yes. Until the point where it's just like, you're ready to, to, right. you know, overturn your desk. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, like that, that's actually one of the things that, um, you know, I was thinking about over the break is, is, is how do I reframe some of the expectations I've set? Because, you know, like I've acknowledged one of my flaws that I don't know if I'm ever really ever going to be able to fix it is I, I, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I know it. It's something where I've got to keep it in check. It's something that's never going to go away. The problem is though, in a professional setting, that's where you set the expectation that I'm here at all times. So it was actually one of the thoughts I was having was, is how do I reframe that, that expectation? Because there are clients I work with that that is a very easy conversation Mm -hmm. or it's, it's something where they even recognize in me, there's one client, she comes to me routinely. She's like, seriously, that you didn't need to send that email at 10 o'clock last night. (laughs) Yeah. It could have been sent at 11 AM the next day and would have been just fine. Like, but then there's others where it's like, they'll send just a, um, like a stream of consciousness series of emails. And then it's like quickly followed up a day or so later. Have you had the chance to look at those? And it's like, each of these requires, you know, deep individual thought by themselves. So a series of them, it's going to take some time to work through. So, and I, I think, you know, you've set that expectation where it's, Oh yeah, you're going to get right on it and get right back to them. Yeah, and and that's a good call out because again, I think we we kind of focus and talk a lot about the the challenges and the negatives, but I think it's also important to recognize that in, in our history, we've also had some really really good clients that have been empathetic and have cared about our well being to to that point. So they they deserve to be talked about as as much as anyone else. And I, I think about several clients that I've worked with where they have proactively called me up and said things like, I feel like we're taking advantage of your team's time. Like, I feel like we're burning you out. Like if we get close to that, please let me know. That's not our intention. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> and it's such, it's mm-hmm. such, I, I often get caught so off guard by those conversations because those tend to be the rare ones, right? Like to your, your point, it's, it's typically you're a robot, you're a machine, like just crank through all this work. And so when you get someone that actually sees you as, as a human, you're, you're sometimes caught off guard by that, but I think it's important to, to recognize those moments as well. Cause those people do exist. We just need more of those people. Yeah. Yeah. So. How are you doing? You feeling rested, rejuvenated? Uh, I am. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I still think I have some some work to do. Um, so one of my one of my goals for and I and I'm not I'm not setting it as a firm goal or a timeline, but for now I'm, I'm going to focus on the month of January on on figuring out the things I need to do to be in a state of of mental well being 
where I can execute on the level I know I'm capable of. So mm-hmm. I did I did a lot of thinking over the break around, you know, why haven't I accomplished some of the things that I want to do? Why haven't I done the things I know I'm capable of, but I'm just not getting there? And I kept coming back to the thought of it it isn't it isn't about gaining more knowledge. It isn't about developing skills in a certain area. It isn't about having the right connections or opportunity. For me, every time I came to a dead end, it was I didn't have the emotional, physical energy to actually make it happen. You, you know, it's it's every mm-hmm. time I came to that dead end, it's like it's like I I could work on this project, whatever that project is, or I can go and lay on the couch and just watch a mindless show because that's what I have the ability to do right now. And typically my decision would be the latter. And so I, I put a lot of thought in the break over how can I, I address that? And it has to be more than a mindset. Um, and it has to be more than a pep rally. Um, and we, I think talked before the break around new year's resolutions. And the fact is, is that 99.99% of the time those fail. And, Mm -hmm. and I believe why they fail is we, we think of it as a mindset, you know, we get super excited. It's like, we're going to lose weight. We're going to get in shape. We're going to, and, and, you know, we pump ourselves up from a mindset perspective and that works on a very short timeline. You know, you Mm -hmm. can run out of the gates really quick. It's like, I'm going to exercise. I got three days in a row. I'm doing it. And then like by the second or third week, you're like, yeah, screw it. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not into it anymore. And that's why they fail because it, there's no structure in place to address how to make it happen. It's more of a, I'm going to get myself pumped up for, and I'm going to have the right mindset to do it. And so I, I, I wanted to come up with something to avoid that kind of mindset trap of setting a new year's resolution of, I'm going to be in a better mental place to do what I want to do. That's not going to solve anything. So, um, what I'm, what I'm toying with in, in January is, um, working a few less hours a day. Um, and you may have seen a tweet where I started, um, tracking all of the time I'm spending doing work and it's been very insightful on how much I am or am not working. Um, but what, what I'm doing in January is limiting the number of hours not to be lazy, not to do nothing, but in that other time, putting a structure in place to work on my my mental well-being, whether that's um, getting out more just outside, you know, we've been all cooped up and locked inside, whether that's exercising more, um, getting into a habit of yoga, meditation, um, playing more music, you know, I've kind of let my time on the piano and ukulele drop, whether that's doing more with cooking. And I think all of these things, while they may seem a hundred percent unrelated to what we're doing at 33 sticks. I think they're a hundred percent related, meaning that if I can, if I can value that time to get myself mentally to a place where rather than laying on the couch, doing nothing because I'm mentally defeated, that I now have the energy to create new things. It, it benefits all of us. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's really what I'm, I'm trying to, to focus on. So admitting I'm not there where I want to be today um, even though I had a nice refreshing break, um, and knowing that I have a lot of tangible work to do, but if I can do it, I think it's going to be a huge game changer for me. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at today. No, that, that that's really, really cool. So like, how long have you been trying to practice that? Did you try to get into the habit before we started back to work on Monday? 
Yeah. And, and these are things I've tried to do here and there, but I've, I've just struggled to make it part of a bigger picture and like have any consistency with it. And it's frustrating because I know when I do it, it works. And let's just take riding the bike. Um, there was a friend of mine that tweeted about this yesterday and, and he basically perfectly encapsulated how, how I struggle with this. He's like, he's like, I just want to like lay on the couch and do nothing. And it makes me feel horrible. And I know that when I get on the bike and I ride for 30 minutes, I feel amazing. Yeah. Even though I know that that's the outcome, it's still hard for me to do it. And I'm like, dude, that is the perfect summation of this. Like all mm-hmm. of these pieces, I know when I do it, it makes me feel amazing. It makes me feel more focused. I, I accomplish more. I feel more creative. And the frustrating thing is, is even though I know that that is absolutely the outcome, it's still hard for me to do it. Like this is insane. Like I know it works yet. I still struggle to make it happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I think you said right before the break that you got rid of the laptop was like, I did. you know, how is that? How has that made you feel? Good. It's definitely helped create um, a barrier in that. Now, when I come into the office, this is where I work. It's, it's less mobile. Obviously that has challenges if, and when we start being more mobile and traveling again, but not having it just to go like work in the kitchen or work on the couch or it it's been really, really nice to have that like physical separation that when I walk away from it, I walk away from it and that it's okay. Not only is it okay, it's, it's healthy to just walk away. Like I, I, and this was part of one of the tweets, if you caught it um, the other day was that we, we equate sitting down in front of the keyboard in front of the monitor as our work time and anything else is not work time. And, and we have to break ourselves of that habit because a lot of the breakthroughs and problems I've solved, and we're all this way, if we're, if we're being realistic with ourselves, doesn't necessarily happen in front of the keyboard. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't happen, right? It's when we allow our mind to be free, that's when we actually start solving problems. And, um, I don't know if you've had similar experiences, but I know for me, when I've struggled with things sitting here and trying to like be in front of my computer actually has hindered me solving those problems. And I've needed to get up and move away. And that's the problem from an employee perspective that goes against the whole ass and seat model. Well, where's Jason? He's out wandering around out in the parking lot. He's just aloof, not doing his job. What the hell's wrong with him? Right. But I could be out there clearing my mind and actually solving a problem, but we don't see it that way. And from a services perspective, we definitely don't see it that way. And I use kind of a funny, um, a funny story to help illustrate that, but it's really true uh, because how many of us have had breakthroughs while we've been in the shower? I know I've had many all the time, all the time. Right. And, and I said, but try to bill a client for that, you know, try to throw on the, the timesheet, <laughs> you know, 30 minute shower. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hell no, you're not billing me for that. So what ends up happening is we don't, it doesn't get billed for, or more likely what happens is those 30 minutes get hidden somewhere else in a keyboard, you know, hands-on keyboard task. It gets hidden there. And, and we need to break that model because the reality is, is that just because we're sitting here doesn't mean we're working. And just because we're out wandering around or taking a walk or going for a bike ride or working out or, or you know, reading a book doesn't mean we're not creating value and solving a problem. In fact, those things that we often see as, not work, um, doing air quotes here, um, are oftentimes where our greatest value is, is being created. And I, and I believe it's really important that, that we, we recognize that. So that was a long twisted rant of saying, 
getting rid of the laptop, buying a desktop has helped, helped me have more of that away from keyboard time. And if I'm being honest with myself, the bulk of the value that I create is not typing in the keyboard. It's, it's created somewhere else where I've allowed myself to think, read something, learn something new, interact with people in a different way. Um, just free my mind to be able to think and solve problems. So, um, how do you deal with, cause I know I can't be the only one that, that, that gets this, um, deal with like the anxiety of, I just, I, you know, if I don't answer that email soon, um, client X is going to have, have an issue. Like if I don't get a response, if I don't get a response out to them, or if I don't get them an answer, you know, they're going to come back and, Hey, you know, they, they, this is not a great experience. We're not hearing from you. And, you know, like that, that, that need to immediately respond to people. Um, for me, I've solved that by, by responding, by communicating um, and not by, not necessarily by responding with deep thought into the solution, but more of a validation. I heard you. Um, okay. And, and the reason I, I do that um, is I, I learned that, in a remote work capacity, um, people tend to often think the worst. So if they're not hearing back from Jason, they're like, ah, he doesn't care. He didn't make, he didn't even get my email. Maybe he got it and he's ignoring it. Maybe I'm not that important. They're thinking a million things. So what I learned early in my career was to cut that off as quickly as possible by letting them know where things are, are at. So I've, I think I've gotten really, really good at being proactive and helping set proper expectations. So um, I have a morning ritual where I go through and I um, work through my entire inbox. Let me look at it this morning. I'm almost, a, yeah, I got a bunch of junk in there. Otherwise it would be zero. Um, and, and as part of that exercise, if I can solve it in like one or two minutes, I, I will do it. There's no sense in keep picking it up again. And then again, I'll just do it. If it's something that's going to take some time, I, I respond with a 30 second email. Hey, got your email. I'm not going to be able to look at this until Wednesday. And then I'll be able to deliver something to you on Friday. Most times that, that solves the problem because they feel heard, they feel validated, and they now have something that they can manage against. Now that may not fit their timeline. So we now have something we can talk about, but nine times out of 10, that's like, okay, sounds good. I just need to know when, when do I expect to hear back from you? And then you have to then follow through with that. Oh, well, that yep. Right. Because if, if you don't, then that initial kind of reaction or response you give tends to hold less and less value and meaning if you don't follow through with it. So, but as long as you're following through and you start to build that rapport and predictability, like what well, Jason says, he's going to have it on Friday. He's always got it done when he says he's going to get it done that buys you that opportunity to do that. Um, but even though we work with really smart people, their, their minds are going to go to the negative. And so I know that if I don't reply, it's most of the time going to put them in a place where they're thinking negative thoughts when it may not be the case. And we mm -hmm. see all the time, even if it isn't about email communication, we see this all the time just in our workflows where we may be heads down spending four hours a day working on a very difficult uh, problem for a client. And in their mind, they're like, well, what the hell's Jim doing? Is he just hanging out at the beach? I haven't heard from him. It just, it's just human nature that that's where mm -hmm. their tends to go. So I, 
I like to over communicate. I like to let them know um, simply and for no other reason to flip that instinct to be negative, to be more in line with what is, is actually happening. And this is critically, critically important in a remote environment because you can't be seen. And so, and we, and again, we've seen this with employers as well. It's this whole concept. Well, if they can't be seen, then what Jim's out doing laundry, he's out playing with the kid. Like what? I was doing laundry yesterday. <laughs> Which, by the way, we have no problem with. It's weird that employers employers think that, but you know that that's that's the stance. And in fact, it's it's interesting. I, I, again, I mentioned kind of tracking at a pretty detailed level where I'm spending my time. And the reality is, is that I am not sitting typing into the keyboard more than four hours a day. I'm just not. And two interesting things came came out of that. Number one, if you have unobstructed time, if you have a clean work environment where you're not filled with distractions, it is amazing how much you can get done in four hours. You can get a ton of work done in four hours. And I think it's important for us to, to recognize that. The second thing is, is that we also need to recognize that most people aren't quote working eight hours a day. And it's unrealistic to think that we're on fully executing eight hours a day because that's what employers are thinking now as their employees go home and they're deploying this monitoring software to say, well, I need to make sure they're typing into their keyboard AR. I'm like they weren't doing that in the office. There is no way, maybe two to three hours a day they were doing like focused, dedicated work. So you can't, you can't expect them to do that at, at home. It's not because the home is a distraction. It's because that's just what we're capable of doing in any given day. And if we think we're actually doing seven to eight hours of focused work a day on a ongoing basis, sure, it happens here and there, but like all the time, no way. I just don't see it happening. I don't think we have the mental capacity to sustain that. No, we, we absolutely don't. And it's actually interesting, you know, you describing that, talking about that is because the first thing that came to mind is when you were saying like, when you have like open-ended work time, I thought mm-hmm. of, uh, I don't know the name of the the law, but it's the you know, work with this, the amount of the, the time to complete work will increase with the time given it. So it's mm-hmm. something that can maybe take you 30 minutes, but if you've got two hours, you're going to take two hours. Yeah. To, to do humans, it. Hu- humans are really good at filling an empty container. Yeah. You know, you buy a bigger house, you buy more stuff for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was actually the first thing that came to mind. So I'm like, if you're, if you're working to intentionally shorten your availability during the day to do work, are you subconsciously telling yourself you need to focus? You don't have eight hours to get all of this stuff done. You've got four. So I need to eliminate all distractions to get it done. Mm -hmm. Or you're, you're basically creating, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you're you're creating a shortage of time, which then refocuses what you, you know the the effort. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of the things that I'm finding as well. So my my goal for January is to work four hours a day, and when I okay. say work, meaning like sitting at the keyboard, building a test in Adobe campaign or Adobe target, um, doing an analysis, you know, creating an audit, writing documentation, um, creating sales collateral, being on like 
that that's it. So I'm not counting like thinking time. I'm not thinking about like strategizing. I'm thinking like hands on keyboard, cranking out work. Hmm. And what I have found is that when I force myself into that seemingly smaller bucket of time, I'm in, I am exponentially more efficient in how I do the work. Uh, because if I just have this open-ended time, it's like, well, I can sit and do this audit for like seven hours and I'm just kind of pinging on things and hammering on things and just to fill time. And it's like, I can just keep going on this forever. But if I'm saying, no, I have one hour today to work on this and I block out all distractions, I value that time much greater and say, I am going to put everything into this hour. It's like, wow, I, I did more in this hour than I could have done in four or five hours, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. it's, I'm finding myself to be much more, much more efficient in, in that sense. Um, and then just overall, I'm just in, in a limited amount of data, just feeling better about myself overall, because I, in the past, I beat myself up saying, ah, I should have worked more. I could have done more. It's like, no, I, I hit my, my target. I got done what I needed to get done. The clients are happy. I'm creating valuable work and I, and I can feel okay with it. Um, because to, to your point, and, and one of the struggles of our model is, you know, we don't have a billable hour model, so we don't even have that as a constraint. So like, it's so hard to put any kind of barriers around what we're doing. And I think we often feel bad that maybe to your point, being a people pleaser, we're not doing more. Um, mm-hmm. So while, while we're not bound by hours and while we don't bill by hours and our value isn't hours, I think it is important for us to set proper constraints. Otherwise, again, it's human nature to just to fill empty empty vessels, empty spaces. And mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to a negative, we, we will potentially, um, do that. So I, I think having that more focused structured time is actually end up ending up creating better, uh, better work in, in less amount of time. Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that's, that, that's great. So how, you know, what have you been putting in place? And by the way, this is definitely not the topic I had planned today. I had <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Couple... I figured we were just going down a, a path and it just kind of took off. Exactly. Like this is definitely not what I had planned today. I had a whole other topic planned. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about that another time. Um, so, you know, like it, it, this conversation just started rolling. So I'm like, yeah, let's just go with this. This is great. Yeah. Um, so what kind of like, tools or habits are you trying to put in place to prevent the old habit of, okay, great. I, I, I did what I need to do, do in the time allotted. I don't necessarily, you know, I could always get this one extra thing done. And then you're back to your old work habits after, after a period of time. What yeah. do you, what have you put in place to prevent that old habit from surfacing? Yeah, it, it's a good question. So up front, I'm forcing myself to be very, very rigid in, in capturing data about how I'm spending my time. Now, long-term, I'm hoping that once I've developed some muscle memory and I've kind of rewired my brain on how to think about this, that won't be necessary because I don't, I don't know that I necessarily want to spend my time analyzing my time and tracking it to this level. But to start, I had to admit to myself that unless I put some kind of a spotlight on where my time was going, nothing was going to change. So I'm using a, I'm using an app called Clockify um, where I've just created mm-hmm. top level buckets of, of things where I spend my time. And I, you know, for now, like I have an internal project for podcasting and the timer's running for this recording. Um, and then I'm kind of pulling that data out and analyzing it. Number one, just it's 
giving me a ton of insight into where that time is going. But I think more to your question is I've set this four hour hands on keyboard limit for myself in a given day. And that's forced me to reevaluate the meetings I can take, the work I'm, I'm doing, um, because when it hits that four hour mark, I'm walking away. And if that means like I'm going to be a day late on a deliverable, well, that's something I'm going to have to deal with because I didn't properly manage my time or, you know, or whatever that means. I'm, I'm, I'm valuing that time and that limit so much that I know that in the long run, it's going to be much more valuable for, for all of us that I'm saying, once I hit, hit that limit, I have to have the, uh, I have to value it enough to walk away from it. So, so that's what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm clearly articulating and capturing where that time is going. When I hit that four hour mark, I'm done now in the future. That's not feasible long-term, like it's going to be more fuzzy and gray than that. But again, I, I have to give it a lot of structure up front in order to rewire a lot of those bad habits out of my brain. So having this right in front of my face is, is helping kind of um, structure that. And then, as I mentioned, we've talked about in the past, as part of that, I'm using my Pomodoro timer um, to break up those sessions and block out all distractions, which has been great because now there's a cost to it. In the past, it was, eh, well, I'm just trying to do these Pomodoros. Um, but there was really no, um, there's really no cost, although there was to my mental health, but there really wasn't a great cost to me missing or not being focused during a Pomodoro. Now, if I have a 20 minute Pomodoro to work on an analysis for a client and I'm like, yeah, I'll just go check Twitter for a minute. Oh, I saw a new email coming. I'm going to go check it. Now there's a very, very real cost Mm -hmm. to that because that time is being allotted against working on the client task and it being allotted against my four hour limit for the day. And so now if I'm like screwing around or wasting time, there's a very real cost to it. And then I may not get done what I need to get done because I wasn't disciplined enough. I wasn't focused enough and I allowed distractions to pull me away from it. And now I'm at the end of the day, I didn't get my task done, but I'm at my four hour limit and I have to walk away. And so that having that cost, I think has been really important. Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that's really good because then there's consequences yeah. to allowing, to yeah. allowing distractions to come in. Yeah, and the consequences are now I have more on my my plate and it's starting to back up and I the consequences that stress, the consequences facing a client saying, uh, I screwed up, I missed a deadline. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I have to now own those consequences. And so it's it's helped me to be much more focused and efficient in those Pomodoro cycles rather than just having it as a length of time. It's like, no, I can't get up and go check what just came to the door. I can't go look at Twitter. I can do that in 20 minutes. That's not a lot of time, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to focus during this time. I'm going to crank out what I need to get done. And then I'm going to take my five minute break and I can go do those other things. Go check Twitter, go see what Amazon dropped off of the front door. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I think it's, it's very early. I think there will be some really interesting learnings that that come out of this. And I'm going to try to be pretty transparent as far as what I'm learning and what I'm seeing. And even going as far as sharing like this data and saying like, here's what my days look like, you know, and Mm -hmm. just kind of being honest with where I'm spending my, my time and where I could, you know, maybe tighten that up and do better. And I think for myself, it's going to be helpful as well, just to kind of visualize um, where that time is, is going and where I can mm-hmm. you know better spend that time. Yeah. And I think this is good because one of the, the last episodes we had 
before the end of 2020, we were talking about how to prevent remote work from becoming toxic. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about how, you know, earlier last year, you know, we're coming up on 10, 11 months since people were basically thrown into remote work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's for, for many, it's now becoming indefinite slash semi-permanent. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be given the choice to stay at home or kind of given the gentle nudge, like, why don't you only come into the office two days a week going forward? Um, I th I've mentioned it before, and I mean, they did it for m many reasons, but Comcast has their their main headquarters here in Philadelphia, and they've told employees, yeah. like, you will be remote until at least June. Um, and one of the things is, is just consequences with school, with so many people commuting from all yeah. over the area and so many different ways that school's being handled, you could, you know, they want, one of the things they wanted to head off was a situation where, okay, we're going to allow people to come in based on their choice. And then you have people, you know, managers like, well, I'd like to see in the office one or two days a week and throwing off kids' school schedules and, or like people feeling guilty for not being in the office because their kids are fully remote. So they have to be home. And um, so I, it's good to talk about this because yeah. we are one of the things we mentioned in that episode and we're going to continue to see and is companies trying to put the old office model onto remote work. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not healthy to be just sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. No. And that's, I mean, I think we've probably all come to that conclusion at, at, at many different points in, in our career and, and it's not. And the problem is, is that again, I think from a value perspective, it's the easiest path. And it's why the billable hour model tends to dominate services is because it's just easy, right? It's mm -hmm. the, the model we've chosen is definitely very, very challenging. It's hard for, for many, many reasons. And that's why I think so many companies say, yeah, if you're at your desk working, then it's it's much easier to, to manage towards that. And, and and the same holds true in, in the office. Um, it, it's much harder to put in the time to really understand what your team is doing and on a one-to-one -one level, understand the value that each of your employees is creating. But damn, that's your job as a manager. If that's not what you're doing, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing, right? But um all too often that's that that time is not spent and it's like well if jim is sitting at his desk then he's working so as long as he's there from you know 8 to 5 then jim is a performer and it's just such a lazy lazy way of of doing things and it 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 was toxic in the office it's going to be even more toxic at home because as we've already talked about employers are going to start and have already started deploying surveillance software um, to help figure out, our, is Jim sitting at his desk? It's just such a poor measure and proxy for 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 productivity and value creation. Um, and here's the even more insidious part of that tracking software: they're going to gamify it yeah. for employees yeah. to then shame not just you know managers shaming their team, but you're going to see employees shaming other employees. Yeah, and they they've already done this before i'm sure you've had instances in your career where you've seen this happen I, I i saw this happen early in my career um where the gamification of asses and seat was was done and this is where you have kind of the badge of honor of well i stayed and worked until nine o'clock this mm -hmm. night or like so i'm like so what 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 did you actually get get done right it's like you may have worked from eight until midnight but I got more done than you did before noon. So who cares? 
but you're, you're absolutely right. This, this kind of easy path and gamifying it opens it up to recreating what we already see in this office, this badge of honor of working more hours means you're more dedicated. You're, you've got more hustle. You care more. It's like, we have to flip this conversation to be more about, but what are you doing with that time? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I would much rather have more value created in less time. And I don't care what you do with the rest of that time. I would hope you're doing things that are making yourself more valuable and stronger and more resilient long-term. But like, I don't, I don't want to measure that. I don't want to measure eight hours. It's an arbitrary number, probably based on factory work and cycles of time. Like it doesn't work for knowledge work. It's not necessary. Mm -hmm. So, so if I were to sum up everything you've said in this episode, it pretty much comes down to less is more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and I, it's a cool way of putting it. Cause one of the things we're really thinking about this year from a, a business standpoint, positioning, branding strategy is sustainability. Less is more doing, doing more with less, um, leaving a smaller footprint, but doing more, you know? Um, and again, I started tweeting about this this morning. I think I threw it on LinkedIn yesterday, I said, if, if you hire me to help clean up your analytics, the first thing I'm going to do is throw away half your data and you're going to be more successful and happier. You know, we, we've got into this mindset that bloat and more is better. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not in most, in most occasions, in most things, um, simple is better. Less is more leaving a smaller footprint is, is better. Um, and you're, you're probably going to hear us talk a lot this year around this whole concept of sustainable analytics and, and having something that we can actually maintain and care about. And, and if, if what we've seen over the last eight years holds true, it's that the companies that are getting the most value out of things aren't the companies that have the biggest stacks and the most impressive implementations and the biggest data stores. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's the companies that said, look, we're going to do very few things and we're going to do simple things, but we're going to do them really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that is so motivating and empowering and exciting. I, I think there's a ton of value to be had in that conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I've got some, some ideas that I'm working on for, for future conversations around that because awesome. it's going to be a major disruption for many out there. Yeah. Where it's all, you know, historically it's all about, you know, more, 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 more where coming in and telling them, you know, you need, you know, less, yeah. you know, you're not using the majority of what you have. And I've actually had that conversation with you a lot about one client. I'm like this year, we really need to audit their implementation. There's stuff that we implemented four years ago, which I know they're not using mm-hmm. and it's a major maintenance problem for them. Yeah. And we need to, we need to, the first thing we need to do is get them focused on doing that and get out of their own way. Because every time we bring it up, something else comes up and it takes all of our focus away. We need to get them out of their own way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And it's, it's going to be challenging because one, it's, it's going to um, have an ego component that we're going to have to figure out from a psychology perspective, how to, how to navigate um, but we're, I think the biggest challenge is we're just going to have to rewire what people have been taught over many, many years and kind of how we've talked about how people are valued. It's, it is based on time. It is based on like massive work done. And we've talked about this in the past that in, in the services space, this is often referred to jokingly as the thud factor, right? Like mm-hmm. 
historically, if you were to hire, you know, our Anderson Consulting or one of the big firms, they would get paid on at the end of the engagement, how big of a thud their binder of project wrap up would make when they dropped it on the, the table. That's, you know, from a services perspective, from an employee perspective, that's how we've equated value. And we need to get away from that. And we need to see that that oftentimes the more simple, more elegant solutions actually are the much more valuable solutions. And we need to start valuing that much greater than the thud factor, than the working late hours, than the everything that we've kind of valued in the past, which really hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a lot of fun. Like I mentioned a little while ago, this is not what I had planned, but it actually turned out to to be great. So I definitely yeah, want to yeah, follow up on this, have another episode to see how you're doing with some of the habits you're trying to put in place. But yeah, like one of the themes we're going to cover routinely this year that I've got, you know, that I've been working on some ideas for is the whole less is more concept. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. And yeah, let's, let's have a follow up. Happy to kind of share what I'm learning, what I'm struggling with and share, even share the data that, that I'm collecting. Cause I, mm-hmm. I think it'll be helpful. Cool. Alrighty then. So All right. we'll go ahead and wrap up there and Good talk chat. to everybody later. See you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.